video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when Hello, you watch my name is Justin Clear. I'm here today with Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast. And we're going to talk about all this week's new Blu-rays and DVDs. Ooh, good stuff here. We got a lot of good stuff. So we're starting with Drunken Master 2. Finally available in its original language, uncut. This is not the Miramax version. Finally, yeah. And I think for a lot of people, and well, definitely for myself, the Miramax dubbed version was pretty much the only way I experienced this movie as a kid. Legend like, of the Drunken Master. Legend of the Drunken Master. Yeah, with uh, you know Jackie Chan on the cover looking a lot like how he looks in Rumble in the Bronx, even though that's not how. <laughs> he's like punching through and he's wearing that same like black tank top sort of thing that he's wearing. I just remember thinking like when I was a kid taking it like it was going to be like Rumble in the Bronx and it is not like that. But it's still a fantastic movie. And yeah, what took so long to get the actual cut out there? I think it was just Miramax, a dimension sitting on it. They didn't want to get it out there. And I believe the catalog has transferred over to Warner Archives. But for some reason, there was like this trepidation about do we put out Jackie Chan stuff? Like it costs a lot of money to do a new scan. It'd be better to do something that stars Spencer Tracy because that's what right, people want right. to buy. But thanks to a bunch of companies in the UK remastering and re-releasing some Jackie stuff, Warner Brothers got back on the bandwagon. They did First Strike, which is a really odd one to start with. They must have had the master laying around. And then they did so. Mr. Nice Guy. And finally, they get the Drunken Master 2, which was always one that everybody wanted an uncut version of. And finally, it's out. I mean, it's kind of appeared around the world. But Warner Archives yeah. is advertising that they did a new scan just for this release. Well, that's amazing. Have you checked this out yet? I know you picked up. I it looks great. Uh, Warner Archives also did a fun thing where they have new uh, retranslated subtitles as well as the original titles that appeared like burned onto the print. <laughs> and that's something that you wouldn't usually get from a company like this. It feels like an extra step. Now, would it have been nice if they got commentaries, maybe a featurette or a video essay? Yes. Warner Archives doesn't really do that unless it's like Hammer Films, I guess. Yeah. But this is like a cool release that's kind of outside their wheelhouse. Yeah, I'm just so used to seeing just classic film after classic Hollywood film get put out that to get a sort of cult release of a pretty major Jackie Chan movie. Oh, yeah. A lot of people consider this is yeah, best. right. This is considered one of his best. Um, I mean, I always I want to pick this up myself. I mean, is it better than the original Drunken Master? I mean, it depends on people's opinion. Like maybe they like the kind of more modern feel faster. It doesn't have that classical feel. I don't know which one I like more. I probably like the original Drunken Master just because I feel like Drunken Master 2 is a bit overplayed. It's the one that people always reach for when they mention Jackie Chan, but I can't um, disqualify the fact that it's a classic. As a kid, I liked the Drunken Master 2 better, but I did, on this note, just revisit the original Drunken Master on the Eureka Blu-ray that came out several years ago, uh, which I'd been meaning to get around to and take a look at, and that looks phenomenal too. So if you haven't picked up that original Drunken Master Blu-ray from Eureka, I would also highly Which was a region-free disc, right? Which is very rare for Eureka. Yeah, we never really got many Eureka releases except for two. We got, I don't know if they were testing the waters with all region stuff, but they put out Freaky Friday and, or sorry, Freaky Friday, uh, Fright Night, and then uh, Drunken Master, which were all region ones we could get in. And they both look gorgeous. 
gorgeous, uh, and they both had tons of extras. Uh, but then past that, none of their releases became available to us anymore, and they were all just locked to region B. Ah, that sucks. You know, speaking of that, I'm going to write it on my list. I need to pick up Drunken Master from you guys because I know I saw you gotta it. You got to do it. Yeah, it's a beautiful – it's like we've we've had it – yeah, we've had it for like five years now, and I keep meaning to like – I kept meaning to take it out and just like rewatch it because it had been years, and I finally did it since the second one was coming out. I just kind of wanted to revisit it, and geez, yeah, it looks gorgeous. The, the transfer is beautiful, and it just like – it just made me love it all so over So I hope people pick it up if they like Hong Kong cinema because, you know, the people at Warner Archives, well, they used to say that because I don't believe they have their podcast anymore because it got canceled because everything shifted to Amazon, which we mentioned that. And I believe you said, no, that's not going to happen. It has. They made an official announcement. But you're still going to be able to get Blu-rays, right? I mean, until they tell us otherwise, but I don't think it should stop. I know there's been some fears, but I, I think so we're good. So we also have a bunch of umbrella discs. Speaking of international releases, Releases, but these ones are not region locked. Some umbrella discs are region locked, though, right? And you don't get them. Well, it's kind of funny with them because um, some of these discs and ones we've gotten in the past actually do say they're region locked on the back. So if you picked up a copy of like Big Night recently or like The Cook, The Thief, His Wife and Her Lover, uh, those actually say region B locked on the back, but they're actually not. So it's just like a packaging either mistake or they want people to think it's region b or something but they're actually all region even though they state that they're region b so i don't know i'm not sure what the pro what the issue and is. this is drive in delirium the final conflict which is a collection of trailers uh according to them the last time they will ever do this oh is this it well i guess that may the final it does conflict. feel like uh, the trailer Blu-ray thing has come and gone at this point, right? Like, it was big for a while. I know Garage House did a bunch, but there was that 42nd Street Forever series for a while. Yeah, I would say the Garage House trailer trauma series was the most popular recently. They did four of those, but um, yeah, apart from that, I mean, like, how many trailer compilations can you still release? I feel like they've done so many now. We've sold a few of these so far, and people were pre-ordering this one. I'm so curious. I didn't know this was coming out. I should look at what is included on this disc because I'm all for like garage house discs. I want to see movies I've never heard of before and the trailers. And especially if there's commentaries from like film people who are just like joking and sharing trivia about the movie that the trailers play. Those are my favorite. So that's why I would check something like this. I mean, the garage house ones are very good for that of having like, uh, you know, big old film geeks just, you know, laughing and talking about these really obscure movies that sometimes they're like, I don't even know if this film's properly available anywhere because it's just the trailers out there. Oh, uh, we got a lot of umbrella discs here. We also have Stone from 1974, a uh, famous biker film, which I have never seen. Yeah, I've never seen this either. I know Severin put this out on DVD uh, years ago, but they've never done a Blu-ray upgrade for it. And a friend of mine was a big fan of this. I remember he really, really was into 70s biker movies and said this was a pretty good one uh but this is like a really stacked edition some of the umbrella stuff we get in doesn't actually have a lot on it or it's not like that that special but this one is like a collector's limited edition it comes with uh, a, a second disc with the soundtrack a bunch of extras slip cover so yeah it's always had a big special edition yeah this is a pretty nice release from them probably the one of the nicest ones we've gotten from them so recently. we also have another umbrella disc black water from 2007 this is a crocodile slash alligator i can never get those right movie yeah one of those <laughs> and i remember seeing this one and really enjoying it when it came out 
Yeah, I've never seen this, but I remember, I always remember this at the videos, like when I was working at Roger's video, I think back in the day, this was coming out and I just was something I never took out for some reason, but I always hear this is really good. They kind of made a sort of pseudo sequel last year called Blackwater Abyss, which we got in. I think it's the same director, same kind of idea, but, uh, but yeah, this is the original one and it's been out of print on North American disc for years now. So yeah kind of been unavailable and never been out on blu-ray before as far as i know so we also have santa sangre i mean wait a minute i think maybe black water was shot on digital video though wasn't it i think it was wasn't it yeah because i have vague memories of watching it and it having that kind of digital sheen to it yeah maybe it could never even be high definition they're like it's coming out on blu-ray which is fine with me so we also have santa sangre from severin this is a giganto release oh yeah a film they put out on blu-ray a little while ago yeah this film you're right was put out by severin almost a decade ago now but apparently i was reading that even though the original release was uh supervised by the director of photography it was yodorowsky himself wasn't pleased with it and david gregory the severin guy also wasn't pleased with it apparently they sapped a lot of the well color. didn't they fix it for blu-ray when it came out like two years ago because yeah. it came out on dvd and then it came no, out on no, blu-ray, it came out on blu-ray like 10 years ago yeah, it's been a long time really? since that huh. release. Um, and even though that one was stacked with extras and the transfer was pretty good, uh, apparently they sapped a lot of the color out of it, which Shiodorowski was not impressed uh, with. Oh, I, yeah, I have, I have memories yeah, of hearing so about that. So now with this new restoration, which, yeah, is out on 4K Ultra HD as well as Blu-ray, plus they've just done like a single DVD release, um, it's supervised by Yodorowski this time. And apparently he's this is like the definitive release of it. He's apparently brought out a lot more of the color in the in the are print. you a fan of this movie I, I like it okay i'm more of an el topo kind of yeah, guy no, I, I think i prefer his like el topo holy mountain earlier works i like this one though i i re-watched it um the other day actually just to see like the new transfer and it looks beautiful i don't know if you checked it out or anything but it really does look gorgeous and you know what i liked it more than ever before i people call this one his most linear film and i would i would agree with that it definitely has more of a story that you can yeah because it was produced by like yeah uh, claudio argento i was gonna say argento's brother that means nothing (laughs) but i think he's always gone on record saying it's like his favorite film that he's ever had anything to do with or something yeah and like this was an attempt for Jodorowsky to play more in a commercial area to like make a slasher film. Because I think film, it was much. initially a project for somebody else or for Claudio Argento. Or there, there were other people Perhaps. that you mean yeah, there were Argento? other people working on it, and Jodorowsky stepped in later, I believe, and then like helped rewrite the script and everything. Since it's obviously like seems I mean, pretty... his son stars in it too. Like it becomes a personal project at that point. Both of his sons star in it. You know, I really liked it actually on a rewatch, and I would uh, yeah. While I wouldn't say. I liked it as much as his earlier stuff. There's a lot here. He still has that perfect sort of phantasmagorical sort of atmosphere to it. A lot of really crazy visuals. And I don't know. I really feel for the guy. It definitely feels like a bit more personal, emotional of a story than maybe some Have of you watched his new films? That uh, you he know, made? I haven't seen any of his new stuff. No one has. <laughs> Dreaming of a oh, reality. No. Dance and, of uh, reality and uh, endless poetry. I hear those are pretty personal, Like, right? everyone's like, oh, I wish Jodorowsky would finally make uh, a movie again. And then he's like, I've made three. It's like, oh, sorry, I'm busy. Can't well, watch he made them. that documentary <laughs> last year, too, right? Psycho Magic, A Healing Art, which I don't think anybody saw. Oh, well, yeah. that's definitely not for me. <laughs> yeah. um, but where are the releases? Uh, I like how me and Mark were, like, laughing about, who needs a 4K of Santa Sangre? And Mark's like, oh, no, no, we need a 4K. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it does sound like we need and one. And seriously, now. yeah, even if you don't 
don't have a 4K player, I would suggest picking up the 4K set because it does come with a Blu-ray of the film as well. So even if you don't have... You son of a bitch, Mark. <laughs> don't make me do I it. I know. But it's just, it's that nice box. It's a beautiful box. It comes with, it, well, it comes with the soundtrack, which I mean, I don't really care about, but I mean, some people I mean, like I've that. I mean, I've had the uh, Jodorowsky, I keep saying Jodorowsky, it's Jodorowsky. That J is yes, silent. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, box set. Uh, that was released, remember, ages ago? Like, the black box set with the slim cases? That's the one that I still have. That I remember buying at HMV downtown at Dundas Square. The, like, five-floor HMV we had, including a basement where all the cult stuff was. I just took advantage. I thought it would be there forever. I'm like, mm, this is great. That's definitely the kind of thing I would have purchased, like, on one of my first trips downtown to, like, go to, H like, a big HMV or something. They had so much cult stuff in that basement. Like, whoever was in charge of buying stuff bought everything. I bought box sets that I just assumed, oh, these are always around, that are long, long out of print. Like, remember Subversive, that company, the DVD company? I bought lots of Subversive DVDs from there. And I remember seeing Don't Let the River Beast on their shelves. They had a whole section of uh, movies from that label, uh, Chemical Burn Entertainment. Oh, no, Brain Damage Films. Those are, that's the one that released um, Don't Let the Rubies. No, that store, like, for, like, a corporate retail giant, like, that particular location was pretty stacked with releases, yeah. Yeah, they let... I mean, I never went to the music stuff, which seemed very um, extensive. I mean, my brother loved their classical music section, which they had on, like, the fourth floor. But he said stuff was a little bit expensive. <laughs> but he said they had a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah, they had everything. Our, rest in peace. That place was great. And at the time, I had no money, so I could not buy that much. But I would go and look through stuff before I went oh, to go totally, see the movie. Oh, totally, totally. So pick up this uh, Santa Sangre release. The 4K set. Please, we have too many. They're not selling. <laughs> they're selling well. Oh, yeah, they're selling real well. I mean, it, they go for like 50 bucks. Did you sell all those box sets that came in of uh, Yodorowsky that... Remember the UK one that you got? The one that you're like, I don't know who put this out. It looks like yeah, Arrow. Yeah, that has Arrow on it. Yeah, but they don't actually list it as Arrow. Oh, yeah, we've sold tons of those. That one's doing great. I mean, his stuff's always popular. So, yeah, this one's selling well. But, um, yeah, definitely pick this up. And, uh, yeah, pick up the big box set. You get lobby cards in there, too. It just it looks beautiful on the <laughs> shelf. It looks real. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew you were going to laugh at the lobby card thing. I don't know. Whenever I see lobby cards in, I'm like, ooh. Yeah, and you look at me like, cool. You put them in. Never think about it again. And this is someone, if I could, I put lobby cards and stuff. I did it in the first Gold Ninja video release because uh, Will Sloan had the original lobby cards from the Bruce Lee Goes to Hell film, Dragon Lives Again, that he bought. So I took photos of those and made, like, lobby cards. It was so much work. So much work. <laughs> For nothing. <laughs> yeah. uh, people bought it. So, you know, people like it. I, like, I love those feelies in Blu-rays. Like, like that extra stuff, even though if I may, like, uh, like snort, like, uh, like little figurines. I mean, that's what Severn does. Or they did. They Maybe did they kind of backed off. Oh, it's like you get your own anthropophagus, little guy, a little plushie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if I had money, I would have bought it. I'm not going to lie. So we also have from Seven Grizzly. I like this film a lot. I'm surprised Kino's not putting it out, considering this is a Code Red Scorpion uh, title. Well, it was already put out by. I don't. This film's been put out what seems like a thousand times, honestly. But yeah, it was already out on Blu-ray before from Scorpion uh, for a brief amount of time, and then it went out of print. And now Severin has the rights to it. So and I'm sure I don't they probably did happened. some new stuff for it. They probably didn't package it. There, yeah, it's not as packed as like the Santa Sangre releases, but there's some stuff on there. I've been noticing the Kino Code Red ports do not port over all the special features no. there's missing like commentaries and stuff from like the original release i wonder if that is a conscious decision or it's like we'd have to pay for these rights so we're not bringing it on yeah that's a good question those releases seem just more like cheapo sort of like let's just put it out on disc real quick sort of thing let's fill this hole that like people want this and they can't get the code red exactly. scorpion release 
So let's put it out. Because I was looking at my Just uh, Before Dawn disc, and I'm like, wait a minute. I know there was commentaries on a previous release, like the two-disc special edition that came out. And it's, it's not on here. Oh, no. Well, when they did, like, Slithis and, like, Werewolves on Wheels, which we did for our blind buys, I don't think there was, like, anything on those either. They're just, like, perfunctory releases. Because I have the original Scorpion release. It's packed with special features. Or... I mean, I could be confused. It could be the classic Scorpion Code Red thing where on the back it says, you know, uh, paid with my own credit cards to do a new transfer. And that takes up half of the special feature box. So just glancing at it, I'm like, oh, look at all these special features. And then I put it down. I wonder if it's the thing where they just like they had the special features are like owned by Code Red and they just put them out as like a limited thing. And then when it's like Kino has the distribution rights, they're just like, well, you have the movie you can put out. But, but they do put some out. That's like the confusing thing. Like, I know that Just Before Dawn has interviews with yeah, a bunch of people. I don't know. But I don't think Jeff Lieberman is on that disc, the director, which may be like some weird contractual. I don't know how that stuff works. It's very confusing to me. <laughs> it makes very little sense. <laughs> yeah. But I can understand Kino being like, hey, we got to pay more money for this. Screw it. People will buy it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Forget it. Uh, Grizzly, yeah, has been released by a million companies. Speaking of that HMV, I would always see Grizzly, the Media Blasters release. Uh, sitting on the shelf. Oh, yeah. That two-disc edition. Well, we rent that two-disc Media Blasters edition, and that's pretty good. That was always, like, a pretty solid edition. Media Blasters is like, we should have held on to the rights to this one. Why can't we put um, it out? But, yeah, this movie's a ton of fun. I've always dug this. Oh, I like Grizzly. It's a Jaws ripoff? Kill. The kills are so funny. It's, like, pretty gruesome at times. It's Great like... cast. Uh, the Grizzly gets taken out with a rocket launcher at the end of the movie. It's just a lot of fun. Doesn't it freeze frame on the explosion, and then, like, the credits roll? Or am I thinking of a different movie? That's exactly what it is. I think it's just the explosion and credits roll right over you it's know, great summer's here so i like to talk about summer movies grizzly mm, perfect summer film does it take place during the summer i don't remember i think so i mean it feels like it's per it takes place during the summer and right now on the shelf it is sitting right next to all of our copies of grizzly 2 revenge which have not sold because they're 35 dollars. i think we've sold one copy of that people movie. caught up to the grift really fast it sounds like i really thought that was going to be a heart like a huge seller for us though when they were first announcing it but then people look at the reviews and nobody likes it they're like and then if you look at the blu-ray and there's like literally nothing on it it's like a cheapo mod release like mm, Ugh, from gravidas ventures right badly printed artwork it's just bad. You put a gun in the grizzly's hand and a cowboy hat. Noir, western, you hit those. <laughs> You're good. You're noir, western, grizzly. So we also have Day of the Animals uh, from release by Severed as well. So it's an animal bonanza. bonanza. Another mean, William Girdler joint here. Eh? I guess it's... Have you seen this one? Because you must love it, right? I watched this for the first time this week because... Really? I'd always wanted to see it. Liam Neeson in a straight role who wrestles shirtless a grizzly at one point. Wait, what? <laughs> uh, sorry, Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen. It, right i was like liam neeson <laughs> leslie nielsen do does more animal wrestling in this movie than liam neeson does in the gray <laughs> he does you know even though i like the gray you're totally right oh, i um, like the gray as well even though it's director we've spoken of him before on this podcast yeah we've spoken um but honestly day of the animals kind of bored me a little bit i'm not gonna really? lie I, I remember finding it really fun it's not like a favorite that i reach for that often but the one time i watch it i enjoy especially leslie nielsen's performance he is committed oh come on Leslie Nielsen's the best he's such an asshole at the beginning too and he's like he's just that perfect like smug Leslie Nielsen so I did enjoy that and I enjoyed some of the kills which were I mean the kills are funny right like basically the movie's just like nature photography and they just put like ominous music over the shots of the animals when they're just like they're just regular animals like hanging out but they like make them seem sinister by just putting yeah, this like dun, stupid dun, music dun. and then yeah so, so many of the kills are like so choppily edited where it's like nothing's actually happening here right did anybody ever 
make a documentary about William Girdler? I don't know. I don't think so. Because he had a you know about him? Yeah. Like, he was 18 when he started directing. And he directed like 10 movies in a real short period of time until he unfortunately died in a helicopter accident. Yeah, horrible, horrible way to go, honestly. But he made um, the Black Exploitation Exorcist film. What is it called? It's like A something, right? Yeah, it's um, Abby. Abby, that's right. He also did The Manitou, the laser classic. He did. He did Sheba Baby. Got some Black Exploitation. Oh, I've never seen Sheba Baby. Uh, yeah, he did some good stuff. Project Kill. Yeah, he had like a oh, good... Oh, that's another uh, Leslie Nielsen in a straight role movie. He had a good six-year run there, and then, yeah, he passed away. Did Project away. Kill get a release recently? Because I believe that one's in public domain. Gotta write it down on the list. I don't think that got a release li- recently. Because I remember seeing a lot of gray market, like, public domain, bargain bin, Project Kill blo- uh, bootlegs. Um, but yeah, Day of the Animals, uh, it was okay. Yeah, it was kind of fun. I guess maybe I just had higher expectations for it for some reason, and it just Are didn't. you a fan of Wild Beasts? Speaking of a killer animal film that Severn put out. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, that one I'm, I'm only okay on, where it's like, I just wish it was crazier. I like the first half of it, and then it just kind of bores me. I got—I remember getting a free copy of that some, somehow, and I still probably have at it. like a room org screening or something like that. Yeah, I still and I still have it, and I was like so jazzed at the time. I'm like, oh, I've been wanting to see this for years. And I, I mean, Wild Beast sounds amazing. Like PCP gets in the water supply, and the animals take it, and they go crazy. Oh my god, the plot is. My great. issue is always that like these movies, I don't care about real life animal footage. I want to see puppets, yeah. like just like attacking the actors. Like a guy in a bear suit, like wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. That's my favorite. Even though I, I'm sure people are like, oh, that's dumb. Don't, you know, at the time, don't. No, no, I much prefer that. That's why I like something like Grizzly so much, because there is so much of those like fake Grizzly arms. Who is the main bear? Is he a famous bear actor? I think he is. He's like the like gentle Ben bear actor or something like I that. I think you're right. Yeah, I think I remember looking that up at one point. He's not it Bart is the like bear, a famous bear. Who was yeah. the Grizzly actor of our generation. <laughs> But the one who fought in The Edge? The Edge, yeah. The Edge is like, yeah, considered the greatest bear movie of our generation. It's I guess. okay. The weird thing about The Edge is like the bear gets taken out and there's still 30 minutes left of the movie. And you're like, wait I agree, a minute. Yeah. I never was a, I never, was never a crazy fan of The Edge. I thought it was okay. It's no uh, Spartan. Speaking of David Mamet. Uh, it's no Spartan. <laughs> yeah. That's a masterpiece right David there. David Mamet didn't direct The Edge. Is that the Lee Tamahori joint? Mr. Day of the uh, uh, Day of the Dead. Uh, Die Another Day. Yeah, it is. A, you're right. Die Another Day. All right. So we got to move on. We could talk about animal movies uh, for all time, or we could talk about Lee Tamahori movies for all time. Mr. Next himself. Who, we could. We could. Does history still remember of him picking up a prostitute? He was one of those guys. Not that there's anything wrong with that. He was... Uh, soliciting prostitution, I believe. He got arrested for, like, prostitution because he was, like, on the streets, I think. So it's like, I don't want to put any kind of sexual labels or identification labels on him. But I know that was, like, the big thing that they were talking about at the time as well. Where he So he was arrested because he entered an undercover policeman's car in L.A. while wearing a woman's dress and offered to perform sex in, in exchange for money. And this was when he was, like... A director, too. Yeah, this was in 2006. This was right before Next came out. More power to him. <laughs> you know, get up there. And I don't mean that sarcastically, in case people are wondering. Uh, yeah, I mean, he made Once Were Warriors, you know. He's, like, made some really acclaimed movies. And uh, it's too bad his career's just kind of, like, gone towards Hollywood. I think me and Mark are probably on the same political uh, spectrum when we say sex work should be legal. You know, it's dangerous when you demonize it and make laws against it. So, Oh, totally. And that's the thing. So I don't really people kind of called that like a huge scandal at the time. But like, honestly, I don't really care about the Lee Tamahori thing. It feels like it wasn't that big a scandal, though. I remember reading about it, but it wasn't like Pee Wee Herman caught in a porno theater. 
Which, again, that's where you're supposed exactly. to masturbate, though. Why is that a big deal? Like Fred Willard did that, too. Uh, right? No one cared about Fred Willard doing it, though. Yeah, <laughs> like, that was just considered like, oh, it's just like part. He's just doing a Christopher Guest comedy, comedy skit or something. What is his tagline in A Mighty Wind where it's like, oh, what yeah, happened? Yeah, exactly. He just said that and everyone's like, ah, Fred Willard, you're the best. Yeah, he's great. He's yeah. great. I love Fred Willard. He's so funny. Yeah, R.I.P. Oh, it was so funny. Yeah. R.I.P. Rest in power. <laughs> Um, did you see him on that sketch show that was on Netflix? Uh, I think you should leave where he did like a bit where he's like one of those musicians that plays every instrument That's great. and he's at a funeral. <laughs> I Very didn't. funny. What? You haven't seen I think you should leave. You got to watch it on Netflix. It is so funny. Yeah. Once you get through all your reality television. Exactly. Mm. Right. I got so many seasons of Real Housewives to catch up with. All right. All right. How can they keep going during the pandemic or is even more high drama? They can keep going. I'll promise you that. Is it in a bubble? It can't be. Right. They have to be continuing on with their lives. Uh, look, people in the U.S., they don't care about COVID safety procedures or anything. <laughs> That's they, true. They've got things to film. All right. There's things to film. And so finally in the cult section, we have Baxter and it's this week's Blind Buy. Woo, 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 woo. And hey, we're not letting up, uh, letting up on the animal attack movies here, right? Eh? Well, more kind animal of. stuff. It's Animal Week. <laughs> Wait, I should say, I always want to do the horn, but it's the hip hop horn, so that's cultural appropriation. So I don't know if I can do it anymore. The hip hop horn. <laughs> yeah, the da, 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 uh, right. which I always associate with a video of it's a bunch of seals uh, sitting on a on a beach, and there's like hundreds of them. The camera's panning over them, and then it stops on a seal that's like a thousand pounds, so big. And then you hear like, duh, 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 duh. yeah, right. <laughs> that's what I always think of. <laughs> Actually, sea lions, not seals. Big difference. So Baxter, this is based on a Ken Greenhall book, an author that I love. Don't really like this book, though. I've always been curious about the movie version. It's about a... What kind of dog is a it? A bull terrier? Is that what it is? Yeah, like a French, French bull, bull terrier, terrier, right? One of those ugly-looking white dogs, you know? <laughs> he's not He's not a Spuds McKenzie, is he? The original party animal. No, it's a white It's a white bull terrier. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, I love Spuds McKenzie. How did Spuds McKenzie never get his own movie? That seems like a missed opportunity. Great question. Great question. <laughs> so way before our time also. But I just love the idea of Spuds. And so this Bull Terrier, the whole film is about from his POV, basically. And he's like a sociopathic, or is he, dog who is just going through life, you know, wanting what he wants. Like the first owner he doesn't really like, so he wants to take her out. And well, he kind of wants to be like dominated, right? Like that's the thing. He wants to have an owner who's like doesn't feel love or fear or anything and just like dominates him as like an animal. But that's sort not true of. because he really loves his second owner who loves him. Um, yeah. But then it's like anytime, you know, the second owner, they start to have like, you know, she gets pregnant and they're going to have a kid. And like anytime there's like another. I mean, that's the best sequence of the film. We're trying to figure out ways to kill the baby. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and he has a really good strategy too, which he's like, I'm going to knock the baby into the water and then I will bark to get their attention. And then they will arrive too late. So the baby will be <laughs> Just dead. Just too late. Yeah. But which it will look like works. I tried to save him. Yeah. But then he says, I called them too soon. Exactly. But yeah. What's interesting about that is when he saves someone from death, the film seems to indicate then their lives go into shambles because they can't deal with... It's strange, right? Because they have to, like, the wife wants to give up the dog now, even though, like, otherwise it's been, like, a great, like, guard dog and everything. And clearly, you know, like, if you... These people can't hear the thoughts of their dog, so they don't know he it's trying to be murderous or anything. So, yeah, you would think, like, oh, the dog maybe, like, saved our kid or something. Yeah, well, they even say that the dog saved our kid, but we want to get rid of him. We don't want him. Even though this movie, I had such cognitive dissonance. Maybe that was the point. 
is like this is a cat movie these are the thoughts cats have yeah this is like they want to murder you and they have very ulterior designs i've owned many dogs they are dumb they just love their humans there is no (laughs) ulterior thoughts behind them which i guess is the gimmick with baxter yeah and i don't know if i would have liked it if it would have been like a golden retriever or something like that because he looks like a mean dog like he looks like a little mean dog looks like such a mean dog yeah he's exactly the kind of dog i hate because they're just so like ugly and vicious looking not that dogs are mean by nature they just look we've been culturally trained to look but you're right this film like i wasn't prepared for how much of i guess i didn't know as much about this film going into it but i didn't realize it was a little more of like an art house joint than like you got lucky it wasn't named its original title the book is called hellhound which i see creates a whole different uh expectation yeah this was written by jacques odiard too which i did not realize the guy who obviously did a prophet and rust and bone and um so it kind of like i wasn't expecting it's like the way the dog narrates and everything it's almost like a french new wave film or something and it's like i agree with you i don't believe i had a dog growing up i don't believe dogs think this intellectually at all (laughs) if you're gonna try and sell me on like an animal thinking intellectually you're right a cat would be like a much better choice i think that there would be a fun cognitive dissonance again i'm using this big word just looked it up in the dictionary i guess (laughs) i just learned cognitive dissonance Uh, if it was like a golden retriever like a friendly dog that like oh you know what he would never do wrong to us while like this little like french bull bulldog terrier with his little eyes like it looks like it's scheming yeah exactly um i mean yeah i was like maybe i was going into it with like something like white dog in my mind or something too where it's like that real like viciousness he's not he can't be vicious he's so small yeah Yeah. he's not vicious though because that's the thing i I guess i was expecting yeah something like grottier or this dog to really like go after people but no the dog is just like you know yeah and by the end he's kind of intellectualized and created an emotional reality for himself he is yeah and i think that the thing that i don't like is definitely the last act of the film where he meets a psycho sociopath child yeah which they don't i think what they're going for doesn't necessarily necessarily like they don't get it quite as perfectly as they could because i do like that idea of yeah in the third act he finally hooks up with or he gets um he's now owned by yeah like a sociopathic kid who's like obsessed with hitler and everything and i feel like that idea of yeah that they're the same and him viewing himself forces him to change exactly and i think that if the kid acted more like a kid and the viciousness came out of more kid experiences like you know kids are cruel like, it's just part of them. And you don't get that in the movie because the kid is so psychotic right from the get-go. Exactly, right. But then it's like, I'm not sure what, like, clearly there's trying to there's trying to make a link between this kid's, like, budding fascism, I guess, and, like, you know, this dog's sort of, like... <laughs> is it budding fascism? It seems to be full-blown fascism in the film, yeah. It's full-blown fa- I mean, he's, like, obsessed with Hitler, right? Like, even Braun. I mean, so, I mean, would I have liked this movie if, spoiler alert, skip 30 seconds if you want to know the ending of the movie, the dog would have ripped the kid's throat at the end? absolutely (laughs) i know (laughs) i think so too because then at the end too it's almost like they're positing like the kid has turned into the dog somewhat and it's just interesting yeah like the thoughts go from the dog now to the kid's internal thoughts and it's like the same sort of thinking yeah the kid is so psychotic it doesn't feel like a transference in that way i would have loved the end had been the dog sitting there having torn the kid's throat out sitting amongst the puppies that he just had oh Oh, i know so good i agree i agree 
But you know what? Despite my issues with it, I still kind of like this film, I have to admit. I think that if you read the back of the box, you know it's not a cult film. It delivers what it promises. And it's interesting. Lots to chew on there, pun intended. I wasn't what I was expecting, and it kept my interest because I didn't really know where it was going the whole time. And while I don't think it fully achieves its goals... It was just an interesting watch for me. It was. It had a weird kind of sense of humor to it. I liked. I liked the idea of the dog narrating it, even though I don't necessarily believe dogs. You know, or I, that. I was worried that um, the film was going to be like, oh, it's like a psycho dog, and it's like, oh, it's boring watching. And it wasn't really what it is because he they had a very complex, and I feel like this is definitely from the novel, um, kind of like inner life. Like he wasn't just like, I want to kill all the humans. Like, and even vocalizes it at the end where he's like, I don't hurt people just to hurt them. Like, I need a reason to do it. Like, exactly, right? So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. So, yeah, I would get a recommendation if people this interests them. I would, too. I think there's, like, a bit of a Lynchian surrealism to, like, a suburban surrealism to at least the early stuff where it's kind of introducing you to these, like, Very just, rapid like, fire. suburban dolts, you know? Yeah, there's there's definitely more of a sense of humor to it. So, yeah, this is a film that I, I like, vaguely heard about over the years but never really looked into, but... Yeah, I would say this is like a perfect kind of blind buy thing, something you don't really know about, never really got a ton of acclaim. But yeah, it's definitely worth rediscovering. So moving on to the classic stuff, I'm going to have to, like we always say when we get to this section, <laughs> rapid fire through them. Rapid fire, yeah. most of them I have not seen. And uh, we're running a little late because I talked about uh, bears a lot. So we got we a lot of animals to talk about, you know. <laughs> Flowers of Shanghai, Hao Shu Shen movie. Um, I like this director a lot. I don't think he's really gotten any big special editions in North America. I don't think he? so. A lot of his stuff's out of print right now. And I think, I can imagine Criterion's going to go after a lot of this stuff. Give me though. my Assassin Blu-ray. Love that movie. Even though I would have loved if he had been able to shoot it the way that he wanted to, which he said in an interview I read in Film Comment on a hand crank camera. Oh, man. He's like, I want to shoot it like a silent film. <laughs> that would have been great. Yeah. We also have a bunch of Warner Archive titles. The Private Lives of Elizabeth and Essex, Michael Curtiz, Sparks Fly between Errol Flynn and Betty Davis in this costume epic tracing the temptatious relationship between the Earl of Essex and Elizabeth I. Already, Mr. Blanding's builds his dream home. Sounds like a fake movie. It's a Myrtle Lloyd, <laughs> Cary Grant classic. Film. A New York businessman's dream of a country home is shattered when he buys a tumble-down rural shack. Man, I wish I could own a rural shack. I know, right? I wish I could buy my dream home. <laughs> Not even a dream home, just anything. Or build my dream home, yeah. <laughs> uh, Escape from Fort Bravo. Eleanor Parker, William Holden, and a John Sturge's Western. When a ruthless Union captain falls in love with a visiting woman, some of the prisoners seize the advantage and try to escape while he is in a more mellow mood. So I'm guessing that is post-sexual coitus? Or maybe he smoked a few doobies? <laughs> maybe. Who knows? I guess we'll have to watch and find we out. We will not be doing that. Um, we won't be doing that, yeah. We also have It Happened Tomorrow. This one actually sounds interesting. This is a Rene Claire film, a filmmaker I really like. The spirit of a dead newspaper man gives its newspaper to a reporter that has tomorrow's news. The reporter grows wealthy by using its predictions. However, one day it predicts the reporter's death. Yeah, I've always wanted to see this one, but never have. But they've done like, Cohen's done a brand new sparkling 4K restoration on it. So. Cohen has, or did a French Cinematheque do it and Cohen jumped on? Maybe the French Cinematheque did it, yeah. Cohen just slapped their name on well, it. Well, good for them. Somebody has to. Good for them. So we yeah. also have The Daydreamer. It's a Rankin and Bass stop motion feature film I've never heard about. Does not look Christmas themed. In which case, no thank you. If it doesn't have a Christmas donkey, I'm not interested. So I've never heard of this film. Are you? Were you a Rankin and Bass super fan? Not really. I don't know. I think this was just before our time. I think this is like a cult kids film for, for people who grew up in this age. It's based on a bunch of Hans, Hans Christian Andersen stories. Kind of like an anthology 
technology thing. It looks kind of like looking at the back, it looks kind of interesting in terms of like kind of the stop motion art to it. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of famous names from that time, you know, who are do voices. In uh, it. Maybe because I saw so many Rankin and Bass like stop motion things, the style of them I find disturbing and not pleasant to look at, <laughs> even though I love stop motion. I, I kind of like it. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. It's kind of jerky, but I've always I've always dug that. So but yeah, I'm only familiar with like the big Christmas stuff that they did, obviously. Of course, I, I think I've only ever seen Rudolph because it plays multiple times every year. I don't even think I've seen like Day with Sound of Santa Claus or any of those. Yeah, things. I don't think I've seen that either. They did. Did they do like a? Yeah, they did the Christmas donkey one, the one that I mentioned, which I've never seen either. They also did a Christmas leprechaun one. Right. Yeah. Maybe it is only Rudolph that I've seen then. I guess. So we also have Madame Rosa, released by Kino. Madame Rosa li- lives in a six-floor walk-up in the Pigalle. She's a retired prostitute, Jewish, and an Auschwitz survivor, and she befriends an Algerian lad. <laughs> An Algerian lad. Yeah, so I've never heard of this movie. Uh, not much. It did win Best Foreign Film at the Oscars back in 1977 or 78. Um, that's really all I know about it. It's one of Simone Signore's final, like, kind of more acclaimed roles. But yeah, I don't know much about this other than that. So we also have Wildcats. <laughs> more animals. Yeah, this is a, oh, I wish. This is a Michael Ritchie film. Not wait. Who can? Who directed? Was it like Tough Enough? Or remember that other football film we talked about with Burt Reynolds? Semi Tough, I think. Isn't that Michael Ritchie too? I think it is. Wow, yeah. he had a football thing going on. Yep. So uh, this is another one, but this one stars Goldie Hawn. It also has Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson both in this in small roles. Um, yeah, I've never seen this though. I don't know. This is like a popular Listen, 80s comedy. I only have room for the one where the football has sunglasses and a cowboy hat. I believe Necessary Roughness. Yeah, exactly. Necessary Roughness. Which yeah. I still have not seen, <laughs> but that is the only football film I will give any time to. I only watch sports movies from the 90s that have children in it, so. Yeah. Oh, so you're not a fan of that Keanu Reeves ones, the replacements Actually, no, I, I saw that in theaters, like, opening day. <laughs> <laughs> and you watch it now multiple times a year. You know what? I'm going to write this down on a list. Necessary roughness. <laughs> Necessary roughness. Must watch. <laughs> Major League. I like Major League because you just said Wesley Snipes and it made me think of yeah, that. Yeah, I do like Major League. Have you ever seen Major League Back to the Minors? No. The, the Major League Two? <laughs> no, no. That's This is the third one. Major oh, God. League. Is Charlie Sheen in it? <laughs> no, no. Scott Bakula is the only one in it. <laughs> He's just as good. Uh, Corbin Burnson, I think, is back for it. I think he's the only one back for it. I really love the ending of Major League, and I will never forget it because they keep losing games, and then they they decide we're not going to lose one more game, and that's how we're going to make it to the finals, and then they do. That's how it always works. Major League is a pure dad movie in the sense that I watch it with my dad, and he loves it. All dads love it. They're pre-programmed. So we also have The Sting coming out to 4K. You know The Sting. We don't need to talk about it, right? Yeah. You know what? I've never actually seen The Sting. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) You've seen The Sting, too? I've seen The Sting, too. <laughs> just like uh, you are Jeff, Jeff Garland, Garland. <laughs> from that of your enthusiasm. You must be the only person in the world who's seen the Sting too, but not seen the Sting. <laughs> It's just so odd. Jeff's just like, oh, well, I've, I've never seen The Sting, but I've seen The Sting too. So we also have Last Action Hero on 4K Blu-ray. Now, I love Last Action Hero. Me too. Me too. Has the tides changed? I feel I see more Last Action Hero love than I see hate these days. Oh, yeah. Well, I remember uh, theater in Toronto, uh, Rep Theater here, did a screening of it through uh, 
a series drunken cinema we have in the city which is really fun where basically it's like drinking games to movies and they did last action hero and i cannot it, condone that it killed though the screening everybody was into it everybody loves it i think people just love this movie now i think at the time it just got swallowed up by the whole like media hype i love last action hero so much i think about it all the time that, that scene <laughs> where he walks into his apartment and it's just like an empty white room oh, yeah, beside yeah, yeah. a highway and he shoots the closet and a guy falls out and the kid's like how'd you know there was a guy in there and arnold's like there's always a guy in there <laughs> so funny or when arnold schwarzenegger the actor meets arnold schwarzenegger the real person and he's like why do you bring me so much pain? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's so good. You know what? I just think this movie is like way ahead of its time. Like, I don't understand why people, like, even as a kid, when I saw this, I loved this movie. It was so hyped up when it was coming out, though. Remember, it was a Peter Gruber produced. It was going to save the studio. I know. Well, they put an ad on the moon, didn't they? Wasn't that the notorious thing? They they shot a, an ad through like telescopes onto the moon surface for this movie. Like that. And I would say it is an unwieldy film. It is. It's long. It's w- yeah, it's always way, way long. longer. I always than forget. I... I'm like, is this the end when the like fart funeral no. happens? <laughs> no. There's a whole other act, which is honestly the best part of the movie. Yeah, but I don't even mind the length. I kind of like how long and self indulgent well, it goes. It's like a parody of the kind of movies that arnie would make i think this precedes a lot of like the kind of meta and pop culture entertainment that we see all the time nowadays i think this is like perfected that way before anything else really attempted it and i think it's just because of how ridiculous the media blitz was around it and also don't forget jurassic park came out like a week or two after this right so jurassic park jurassic crushed park it. crushed this and it basically it was just like nobody wanted to see last action hero anymore but i just think this is one of the smartest and funnest and more most fun and just most entertaining movies arnie ever made like frankly. john mctiernan is such a smart choice for this film because it should not be the guy that you hire because he intellectualizes the stuff too much yeah exactly i listened to the commentary and at one point he's like ah i stole this shot from igbar bergman's the magic flute yeah it's <laughs> hilarious and like it's a great action movie too yeah it is that's the thing i mean people hate the kid i like the kid he's fine i don't, I don't mind the kid the kid was from my girl too i believe as well <laughs> yeah. yeah my girl's revenge i love uh tom noonan as the creepy villain in this uh oh, so, so, scary. so scary uh, yeah he always terrified me at the the whole the whole end sequence terrified too me real i would admit that it does promise more than it can deliver because the ending needs like monsters or creatures coming out of the yeah. screen. No, I agree. I think it's a movie that just promises a lot in general. It's just so ambitious and unwieldy that I don't really mind if it doesn't always hit everything it promises because it does hit so much. I don't know. I just I just think this movie's great and I feel like the tide has turned. I think more people enjoy this movie legitimately now. I than... remember watching it with a friend and what he didn't like – was the fact that there are like cartoon cats and the world is so crazy. And since then, I wasn't able to articulate it at the time. I've been able to intellectualize that this is the world of movies, that this is all happening around the frame and that in the Jack Slater films, you wouldn't see this stuff, but it exists in the same continuum. That's the thing. It doesn't really, it totally makes sense to me. The world, the internal logic of the film has always made sense to me. So I don't really understand when people think it does. Oh, that ending when you think Arnold's going to die? So good. Oh man, so good. And when he puts him in the real world and then when finally everybody comes around, you think he's going to die. But because he's in the movie, he's like, ah, it's just a flesh wound. It's not even a flesh wound. So good. No, it's perfect. <laughs> it like, and it explores almost everything that you would want a movie like this to explore. When Ar- 
Barney talks to his uh, boss and he's like, why do we always argue? <laughs> why do we- yeah, it just shows his sense of humor. It's just great. And you picked this up. There's actually some features on this. Oh, yeah. There's some deleted scenes. Nothing revelatory. I was hoping there'd be like some crazy shit that got cut out. There is a, a an actual pretty moving scene where they're in New York looking for the bad guy. And Jack Slater talks about how his son died. And the kid talks about how his father died from cancer, which is never actually discussed in the film, which explains why he would look to someone like Jack Slater for a father. Right, right. And there's like a nice shot where like Arnold Schwarzenegger puts his hand around the kid's shoulder to give him like a little comfort after he admits that. And then it leads into a scene where a bunch of kids come up to Arnie and start talking about their favorite Arnie films. And they're like, oh, we love Predator. And he's like, what's that? He's like, Alien in the Jungle. He's like, ugh, sounds yeah. dumb. He's like, they made a sequel. And he's like, oh, really? He's like, you weren't in it. Smart move. Which is not okay because <laughs> Predator 2 is a fantastic film. It is great. Love Predator love 2. Predator yeah, 2. great film. And there's also a commentary. I got to talk about this commentary because John McTiernan does it and you would never think anybody would want to speak of this movie. Which is ridiculous. And I know the guy from Valley pictures has said that he would love to do a feature length documentary on this oh film. for sure i feel like there's tons of stories behind i know it. this is great because yeah the previous like mill creek blu-ray that they released had nothing and the on commentary it, so. unfortunately uh, there's lots of gaps of silence and when john mctiernan speaks it's essentially that simpsons joke where he's like i'm sorry i'm so sorry <laughs> like, he does not <laughs> yeah. understand i think he's still burned from the reaction of the movie yeah and i think he so too. says he thinks he should have made it broader and i disagree I think that it wouldn't have worked if he had done like a loaded weapon style thing. Yeah, no, I, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, it's not perfect maybe, but I think it's pretty good the way it is, like the tone. I don't think it veers – I think if it veered too far, too much farther into parody, it wouldn't have worked. So I'm glad yes. they didn't do like that. Like those moments of realism, they actually buy Jack Slater going like, what's this? Classical oh, yeah. music? Ooh, I exactly, like it. Exactly, right? So uh, moving on, we have Big Fish on 4K, the Tim Burton yeah. movie. I don't have much to say about this. Tim Burton's last gasp. He's back. He's good now. People really love this film, but I don't know. This never really did Tim it Burton, for me. who is soon to direct an eight-episode series about Wednesday Adam at Nevermore University, where she solves murders and discovers her psychic powers. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, it's the Adams family I knew and love. Wednesday with psychic powers. All right. So solving murder mysteries. So moving on. It's new stuff. No, 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 All no. right. Let's do some new movies. No, 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 no. And like we usually do, let's go rapid fire through some new movies. Yeah. Uh, first off, we've got The Father, which of course was the big uh, Anthony Hopkins best picture winning. Have you seen this? Is it good? Oh, yeah. Very, very, very good. good. Yes. It feels like it's going to make me sad and I'm oh, sure it, it does will. its trick. It will. Definitely. And keeping with the dementia theme we've got supernova which is with, yes uh, my favorite walter hill uh <laughs> frenther ford coppola classic movie. sci-fi film which i i just want to fly have you seen the trailer for the movie oh yeah oh yeah i i've actually have a real soft spot for supernova even though oh, it's a it's terrible awful. terrible movie but uh but that's not this but movie. that's not oh, this this is which with... means i need to do my sound effect well this is with a totally different movie with colin firth and stanley tucci playing an older gay couple and one of them has basically started um basically has dementia and they basically go you know a dementia double bill <laughs> it's a dementia double bill and then we've got the glorias which was with julianne moore and alicia vikander about gloria steinem uh which was on yeah Amazon Prime, I believe, a few years ago. Now Umbrella's got a DVD release, so we've got that here. Uh, we've got then we've got some animation ready for this. We got Raya and the Last Dragon, which is a new Disney film. People seem to really like this one. I appreciate the effort. I'm not a big fan of it though. You are a big fan of Tom and Jerry, though. I assume, I hated right? this movie. <laughs> I hated it so much. Yeah, you hated it with to every add fiber. To insult to injury, they make it look like 
uh, hand-drawn animation. But then when you look at it, you realize it's not. It's CG with a cell layer over it. So it has that uncanny valley of like, ugh. Well, and other animation that probably looks better, The Prince's Voyage is like a French animated kids film that looks pretty good from G-Kids Shout, and they've done a nice release for this. And there's also Star Trek Lower Decks Season 1, which I believe people really like. Isn't this from one of the creators of Rick and Morty, I believe? Uh, yes. It looks like it. Yeah, it's an animated show. Yeah, it's kind of like a Star Trek parody sort of thing about like, yeah, they people working and it's like a Downton Abbey for Star Trek but like a funny thing or something I don't know <laughs> but not like that but actually funny and cool but yeah people seem to really like oh, you this. don't think Downton Abbey is funny and cool how dare you Mark uh yeah no it's the funniest and the coolest for sure you're alienating 95% of base Street's <laughs> yeah, audience definitely, definitely all the Downton Abbey fans are listening to this podcast next thing right you're now. gonna say you're gonna say like you don't like Ian Holmes or something like that oh I know wait not yeah, Ian Holmes geez. who are the no. big famous older actors yeah he's one of them right okay. I mean you know I Judy Dench. Judy Dench. That's what <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of. No, I lo always have love for Judy Dench. Uh, so that we've got uh, the wonderfully titled Shithouse from IFC, which is a coming-of-age college comedy that's supposed to be pretty good. We've got Why Not You, which is a German film about a, a gay man who's lost his partner in, I believe, like a, a shooting in a club. So it kind of like mirrors real-life events that have happened, sadly, around the world. We've got Happy New Year, Colin Burstead, which is a film that Ben Wheatley made a couple years ago that no one... What happened to Ben Wheatley? <laughs> well, he's got a new film out right now called In the Earth, the one he shot during the pandemic, which is not he's very good. He's got a new movie called Rebecca that opened on Netflix and that everybody hated. Exactly. So he has those two. Um, yeah. And uh, this one he made a couple years before that. And coming soon, Meg 2. So yeah, this one, I didn't even realize he made this film, but he made this a couple years ago. It's kind of like a small, low-key family drama where it's like a bunch of, yeah, a family gets together for like a reunion sort of thing and they're all bickering. It's that kind of thing. I haven't seen this yet, but and I didn't even realize it existed, but it popped up. And this is another Australian release, so I don't even think it's gotten any sort of North American disc, but... Um, yeah, here it is. Ben Wheatley heads out Can there. Can I take a big swing at what happened to Ben Wheatley based on nothing other than conjecture? Yeah, what's that? He uh, stopped working with uh, his wife at the time, I believe, Amy Jump, who used to write all of his films. Is she not involved with his star? Are they not together She's not involved in any of his pictures. No, because I'm looking at her credits here. The last film she wrote was Free Fire and then Freak Shift, which was an old script, and Tomb Raider 2, which was announced a million years ago and never came out. So, yep, she's not doing yeah, any of Yeah, I must admit I've been kind of... I haven't been that into Ben Wheatley for a while. Like, I wasn't a huge fan of Free Fire, to be honest. And I like Free Fire. I have not revisited since I saw it. I like the ambition of High Rise. I really liked A Field in England. Me too. Yeah, from A Field in England and prior to that, I was really into him. And then I kind of fell off. And I, I saw his most recent film, In the Earth, and I didn't really like it. It was just kind of like... Uh, it's basically just like, it just feels like he's redoing like Kill List and A Field in England and kind of just like smashing it together. <laughs> you guys remember this, right? You like it? You like it's it? It's like, oh, there's, I just want to shoot something during the pandemic. So like, here's kind of what I've done before. And, you know, here you go. There's a lot of trippy imagery and stuff. It's like, I just feel like he's repeating himself. But but I don't know. Maybe this one we've just got in is kind of, sounds kind of different. So maybe give it a try. All right. You can continue, Mark. I'll try not to interrupt. No, nah, it's cool. <laughs> and then we got some horror stuff. We got Sound of Violence, which has been really well acclaimed just played at south by southwest about a woman a deaf woman who um basically 
went deaf when her parents she saw her parents brutally murdered as a kid and then she starts to regain her hearing but becomes obsessed with uh like synesthesia like the ability to like feel things from like brutal sounds uh it's supposed to be really cool so check this one out we've got hunted which is kind of like a woman who's kidnapped by a guy and then pursued through the woods kind of movie but directed by one half of the duo who did persepolis vincent Paranode. Been hearing really good things about this one, but I haven't had a chance to check it out yet. We've got Sun, which is another sort of like possessed kid movie with uh, Emile Hirsch in it, who, you know, isn't a very good person. But the director of this is Ivan Kavanaugh, who made a really cool horror movie called The Canal a few years ago, which I really liked. Um, he's done some other horror stuff. So, um, yeah, I've been hearing good things about this. And then we got to make a trip to the Cage Corner because Willie's Wonderland is out this week. With my man, Nick Cage. Yeah, so I've been kind of surprised at people's reaction to this. I enjoyed it. I thought that I liked its stripped down simplicity. I liked all the creatures. It was gory. It was short. I liked that Nick Cage's gimmick is that he didn't talk. That was really fun. And then people were like, how dare you recommend this film? And I'm like, maybe, is it me that I'm out of touch? No, it's the children that are wrong. (laughs) I think, yeah, the film's gotten mixed reaction, but it seems like people that like it really dig it. I, I didn't think it was like per, one of his best, but I had a lot no, of- No, no, no. Yeah, but I would recommend it if people want to see Nick Cage fight some monsters. Oh, like... I totally agree. And I was even, I was a little skeptical about him not saying a word because I'm like, uh, I mean, it's just gonna be like a gimmick thing. And I did see Prisoners of the Ghost Land and he's kind of like similarly like quiet in right, that. We'll discuss that when it comes out. And I didn't really like it. But with this, I think his quiet act does, I think he's still like- acts really well he still brings all that like kind of classic cage weirdness even though yeah he's such like a fascinating enigma the movie never explained which i really appreciate yeah and i like that right he's just like some weird kind of esoteric wanderer who kind of comes in and or is an enigmatic wanderer who comes in and just like takes this job he just seems so unfazed by everything that's happening it to feels him. like this is something that happens all the time to him <laughs> yeah but it never explains it you know what that may be something that people don't like that they don't like the lack of explanation i think that might be it and for me that's like totally fine i don't mind that i don't need explanation like it's just a movie about evil like animatronic animals right like that like i don't need a ton of like plot synopsis and i they kind of give you the background in like a sort of flashback sequence midway through the movie which kind of just sums everything up and that's all you need to know but i don't know it works really well as kind of just like a simple slasher film too because you've got a bunch of teens who go in there and get killed off one by one i think my complaint would be that i wish it was a little bit more inventive yeah or there were a few more payoffs with the kills but they're gory happens real fast i'm sure this movie was shot in 10 days so it's like the time the director had, he d- tried to do his best. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I don't think there is like significantly more effort necessarily put into this than a lot of other DTV Nick Cage movies. But they're just like this one just works better for some reason. And I'm not well, I sure. I think there's more of a understanding of giving the goods to an audience. I agree. Yeah, it definitely it's like it kind of knows what audiences are here for. And it's not afraid to just give because there's a more goofy winking version of this movie that I really don't like. Yeah, no, I like, agree. That could exist. And you know and I, I was mean? kind of worried it would go too far that way and I wasn't going to like it, but it definitely stayed on kind of an even keel. The director of this has made a ton of movies. I remember looking him up before, but nothing that you've ever really heard of. Just a, just a bunch of like DTV junk from like the last couple decades. But 
this is definitely kind of like a high point, I guess, in his resume. I hope it kind of leads to some more work because I'm interested to see what this guy ne does next, honestly. And then finally, we're going to wrap things up with the shame of Canada, Trickster Season 1, which... The shame of Canada? I heard that the showrunner of this has recently done an interview where she cleared it all up. So basically for our non-Canadian listeners out there, Trickster was a ma majorly hyped CBC show. It premiered at TIFF about an indigenous teen who I think has like special powers or something. I didn't actually watch this or anything, but it was like all in the press. And it was basically considered like this is like the big new Canadian show. It has like finally has some indigenous representation. Uh, but basically, yeah, it's about a guy like a teenager who starts seeing strange things. And like basically it's like a supernatural kind of teen thing, but with like an indigenous angle, which is great, which is what we need here in Canada. More representation like that created by a woman named Michelle Latimer, who was kind of big in the scene. She also made a documentary called. I mean, she was really big in the scene. People were like, she is the next big thing in Canadian entertainment entertainment finally bringing you know indigenous voices to the forefront i mean not just because of her but because you know culture at large is like this is something we need to focus on and yeah she made a documentary called inconvenient indian which was like very well acclaimed was going to play at sundance this year was she basically was one of canada's bright new talents and then it came out late last year that she basically was lying about her heritage or she was mistaken about her heritage i mean I'm not sure she kind of claimed she was mistaken. Other people claimed well, she was Well, basically just... what happened was she said, you know, I have roots in this tribe. And the tribe was like, no, she doesn't. What is she talking about? <laughs> and they basically refuted everything. And then she was like, oh, well, I was maybe mistaken or that's what I thought. And they were like, your parents are white as well. I mean, we don't want to get into, like, blood quantum stuff here. No, <laughs> like, yeah. So, basically, I mean... It, it basically came out that she was, you know, using uh, an indigenous background to get the jobs, positioning herself as that, when she hasn't had those experiences. I mean, we're two white guys talking about this. So well, like... that's the thing. I was just going to say, it's not really either of our place to really comment on this that much, other than it was just, like, a big story in Canada, basically, especially in the entertainment scene. Well, she was lying, basically. That's what it came down to. And and yeah. it basically torpedoed her career instantly. Like, Inconvenient Indian was pulled from Sundance, and it was pulled, like, from release altogether. Trickster was canceled, unfortunately. Why didn't they just give, like, uh, like another showrunner the reins? Well, that's the thing, because people really love Trickster, and it was all set up for a second season, and then this happened, and they just canceled it outright, which is kind of... Yeah, that seems... Because um... there are a lot of other people involved in Trickster that aren't her, that are actually indigenous, uh, There right? weren't some screenwriters who could step up and be the showrunners? Like, they're not tainted due to their association with her. And that's the thing, it's based on... I think Trickster is based on a book, is it not... Yeah, so it's not like it's not like she's the only creator of this. It's not like she wrote the book or anything. So yeah, I mean, they panicked and canceled it. And you know, because of that, we never really thought we'd see anything from this show again. But our friends at Umbrella in Australia have put out a DVD release of this. So for anybody who does want to see it, um, and again, I hear really great things, and I feel like it's a little it's a little bit easier to get behind something like this or try and give this a shot than something like her documentary because it's a little less personal to her i guess this show whereas it's just like so we've got it here so if you miss trickster if you want to see what all the hubbub was about and you just can't find it anymore because i don't think cbc has it anywhere no anymore. way <laughs> like they don't have it on their streaming service or anything so 
come by and grab it. We've got it for sale and for rental. And you haven't heard that like she gave an interview recently to the Globe and Mail to a white guy where she's like doing such gymnastics to prove that she does have lineage. If she had done it with an indigenous writer and then you could have gotten like, you know, a, a, a different perspective, I think it would be different. But for her to be interviewed by a white guy. I know it just doesn't sit well. So, but again, we are white guys, so we do not have any authority on this. You know, I was just shocked to see this even come up in some sort of physical release. So My Umbrella's like, wait, who? Oh, no. We're Australian. We're on the other side of the world. We don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, one day Umbrella's going to catch wind of this and going to be like, no, we got to stop them getting our releases. What is the market value of cbc shows in australia i don't think they've ever released anything have well they? i mean i always say like a show like a stupid canadian show like heartland we always get called from you know we always get calls from people in the u.s looking for like heartland seasons. so i feel like canadian tv has a bit of a you know weird artistic international appeal to other countries sometimes so yeah and i mean trickster legitimately seems like a cool kind of like i've always wanted to watch a cbc show that was like a western thing like a supernatural western what was that called it was like strange something yeah what was that called i know what you're talking about but i can't remember so cbc hire me and mark to write a show two white guys yeah. we can do it what would you <laughs> yeah, do uh, a hockey based show like mighty duck style you're like i'm gonna do it right i could do yeah just like a real serious kind of hot they, they did a really ridiculous show or some canadian program did like most uh mvp most valuable primate no no what was it called it was basically about like the it was like a soap opera about like the wives of hockey players and stuff that was done. well there's a famous french canadian show it's called he shoots he scores uh, in english it's called la seconde which was a Canadian soap opera that ran for nine seasons. Wow, Jesus. What? Ain't that, that, that can't be right. 1986 to 1989. No, it ran longer than that because I remember seeing it on TV when I was a kid. Uh, I don't think they were just doing repeats. I'll have to look into this. But yeah. um, <laughs> Well, put it out. Put it out, people. Yeah, Umbrella, put it out. Put out uh, La Cicante, a show that I will never watch. There is no way. Did you hear about the Brooklyn Nine-Nine uh, French version? That's very disturbing. I've heard about this. Yeah, <laughs> Completely yeah, Completely yeah. recast, but they're doing the same scripts. Oh, my God. That's What's the point? What is the point? Well, Quebec needs its own entertainment. All right, so that's it uh, for the Basement Video Podcast. Mark needs to get to work. He's home. He's jumping on. On his uh, rocket pack and he's flying down to base street gotta like run out the door as soon as i hit stop on this but uh yeah come and uh all right come and grab some so stuff keep on buying and keep on renting go to work mark go to work these movies and many more are available at your local video store <laughs> see you next week <laughs>